0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at hlivinglocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis tonight's episode, I wanted to recap a couple of different things. I wanted to talk about what happened between the Ottawa Senators and the Winnipeg Jets, and then I also wanted to discuss a little bit about the implications of what the Patrick Line trade generally means for the Jets, and especially like the branding and image representation. There are some interesting takeaways to think about the longer-term picture, especially when it comes to prospects that Winnipeg wants to draft and develop, and how the team has been doing some unusual things to try and retool and rebuild in a way that I'm not really sure if it's sustainable, and I think I have a lot of questions, but those we'll talk about in a little bit. First, let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets versus the Senators, which ended up in a 6-3 win with Winnipeg sweeping the three-game series, this time doing so on home ice for the third game. I'll admit this was a bit of a weird one. The Jets kind of came out of the gates looking a little bit slow. Ottawa has definitely had a couple of, uh... I would say spicier moments with the Jets over the past couple of games, you know, with the way that this uh, whole series was set up and the way that the NHL has done a lot of these, I think, COVID-planned series where you play lots of games against the same teams and try to limit travel as much as possible. You're going to see a lot of these same opponents, um, often consecutive nights even. So naturally, you're going to start to breed animosity. It's like being in a playoff series against a team, and over time, you just start to hate playing these other guys. And I think that the same thing is going to happen with something like this this being the third game of the uh, series against the Suns, you could kind of tell that people were a little bit chippy. There were some fights in the last game, and there was the expectation that somebody was going to drop the gloves and kind of get a little bit physical tonight. It's why Paul Maurice opted to put Logan Stanley in the lineup, which I didn't really agree with, because for me, you know, Stanley is one of those players who... Under certain situations, you can kind of get away with using him. I think in, like, a third-pairing role where he's not under pressure, that's fine. I kind of get annoyed, though, when you take out Vili Heinola and place one of Beaulieu or Logan Stanley in his place, and in this case, it was actually both guys playing tonight. And of course, Bolu was the one who dropped the gloves first, fighting, I, I think it was like Michael Haley is his name. He's the dude from the Sharks who used to do a lot of the uh, the uh, gloves dropping for the San Jose and some of the other teams that he's been joining. Honestly, like my reaction was the same as what I saw on the rest of Twitter, which was I forgot Haley was even still in the NHL, and I'm kind of surprised he got a paycheck, but maybe Ottawa was looking for a gritty pugilist or something. Either way, the Jets got their fight out of the way, and then everything just kind of settled back into a normal rhythm. It's sort of strange to say that you expect a really physical game, but it's actually just a very normal hockey game without that much kerfuffling. In this respect, it was kind of alarming to see the Jets not really have the greatest of starts, because let's be honest, Ottawa's just not that good. The roster talent is very poor. Uh, Obviously, they've been going through quite a few scandals over the last few years. And tactically speaking, like, the Sens are okay. I think that they understood a couple of ways to start to unlock Winnipeg's defensive backline structure, especially with, like, a lot of stretch passes um, and, and trying to take advantage of Winnipeg's bad line changes. But aside from that, you know, the Sens roster just doesn't have that much firepower. And yet, in like the opening 20 minutes, the Sens had a little bit more jump than I was expecting. They were definitely fast on counters. They were trying to catch Winnipeg's defense, really struggling to backtrack. It was was not a great look, I'm not going to lie. But thankfully, the Jets ended up scoring first. This one was kind of funny because it's a power play goal. And of course, it was a Neil Pionk pass to, of of all people, Nikolai Ehlers. And if you have to have a guy who's going to open the game with a one-time slap shot goal it has to be Nikolai Ehlers in honor of his former teammate Patrick Liney. of course the, uh, the Laine trade was probably hanging over the room the entire day but you know these guys are professionals they get back to work they understand it's part of the business and so they were ready for this game in I guess as many ways as you can be And Nick had been communicating with Patty the entire day. So hopefully, you know, he's not too down about it. I'm sure that it's very hard to watch somebody that you consider, you know, as close as like a uh, non-related brother and best friend. I'm, I'm sure that it's very difficult to see him get traded and moved out. But, you know, thankfully, they'll still be in contact. And hopefully when COVID ends, they'll be able to see each other a little bit more frequently and hang out, because that was definitely one of the bigger friendships on this team, and certainly one that I have a feeling will kind of stand the test of time. Those two were super tight when they were with the Jets together, and I'm sure that even though Line A is now um, a couple thousand miles apart, I'm sure he's still very much, you know, having his heart back home with the Jets, and, and hopefully, you know, alongside Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers did the little stick twirl and salute, and it was kind of a sweet gesture. Very cool to see him thinking about Patrick on this day. I'm sure a lot of the team was not really looking forward to this day let's be honest even with all of their disagreements that they may or may not have had i'm sure that it's always hard to say goodbye to somebody who for a lot of people probably was expected to be a torchbearer and i don't really know what lina was like behind the scenes but he always struck me as a very quiet guy very reserved and i could imagine that he was fairly easy to get along with although what was interesting was later blake wheeler said that, that he regrets his relationship with lina which i think opens a lot of doors for questions and some of those i'll talk about later on in this episode but even without Line A, I was still kind of disappointed to see the Jets not really look that up to it in this opening period. And, uh, you know, it's one of the situations where, again, Winnipeg continues to be a slow starter out of the gates. It's just a weird thing with this team. Like, it, it's—I don't know what it is, if it's like a mental block or some sort of preparation thing, or if Maurice asks them to be very conservative when they start games— The Jets just don't seem to get much offensively going at even strength, especially on, like, these opening 20 minutes of games. Like, I don't know why this team has such a slow start. It's been a problem for several seasons. The coaching staff has acknowledged it, but not really done much to resolve it. And frankly, it's very hard to explain, because when you see what happens later with this team and how they can play, it's like, why can't you put together a full 60 minutes? I'd get if you concede a lot of scoring opportunities and chances, but at some point, You do have to kind of have a full 60-minute, three-full-period game if you want to get to, like, the playoffs or even make noise in the postseason. I know it's hard, especially with a defense that is as porous as Winnipeg's is right now, but these guys are playing, you know, teams that are probably... Not quite up to snuff in a lot of respects. And when you see the way that the Sens play, they always do seem to try for the full 60, even though sometimes they're just really bad. You know, the Sens show quite a bit of heart, even if I think it's in a lot of ways a little bit odd that they've brought in guys like Austin Watson and some of those other players. They all still put out a max effort, so I want to see the same from the Jets. In just a moment, I'll tell you a little bit more about how Winnipeg ended up from a 1-0 lead to a 6-3 lead, but before then, I thought you should know a little bit about why you need to be making BetOnline.ag your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. We're currently rolling up into NFL playoff action, and we've already had a crazy wild card weekend, and now it's time for the division championship round. Whether you're backing Brady's Bucks, the Buffalo Bills, who, in spite of all the odds against them, continue to break a lot of tables, the battle tested Green Bay Packers, or the now Patrick Mahomes list Kansas City Chiefs, now is the best possible time for you to get off the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline is the safest, most trusted, and reliable name in online betting and has spreads, money lines, parlays, and so much more for all of your favorite sports, including the NFL, college football, NHL action, and so much more. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just go to betonline.ag where you can create your free account, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, don't forget promo code On when you're creating your free account for the 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping some of the action between the Jets and the Ottawa Senators. We talked about the first period and some early thoughts about Winnipeg's slow start. In just a moment, we'll talk about Winnipeg's continued slow performance before they suddenly exploded in the third period. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked on Today right now. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Continuing our thoughts about the Winnipeg Jets' second period after their opening first period, which was a bit slow. The second period was not a whole lot better. Um, Winnipeg kind of got a bit outplayed, and unfortunately... You know, despite not conceding that many shots and actually adding another goal, uh, thanks to Kyle Connor, off of a really good top line play, which saw some really nice passing between Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor. Unfortunately, the the Sense kind of answered back with three goals, and all of them were of the greasier variety. The first one was very quick, actually, not too long into the second period. Evgeny Dodonov ended up coming in a little bit off balance and falling while being tackled by Derek Forbort, so there actually was going to be like a tripping call there, but somehow Dodonov just sort of like tucked the puck past Hellebuck. I think Hellebuck was expecting something else, and he was trying to like seal off the post or whatever, but instead it went between his five hole and into the net, which wasn't really great. That's one of those greasy goals where I kind of shake my head and I'm like yeah, Hellebuck's going to want that one back but I can't really get too mad at him. He's been very good for most of the past several games and he's kept the Jets in a lot of uh, starts that haven't really been ideal. The second goal he conceded was not so great, and this one was kind of funny because Logan Stanley ended up getting turned around a little bit by Brady Techuk, Which, look, Tchouk is very good, right? But it shouldn't happen where Stanley, who's like a you know six foot seven dude, isn't able to even box out a guy who's like a half his size. I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but Stanley is huge, man. Like, use your wingspan. If you have to take a penalty, that's fine. That said, the shot from Tchouk really should not have gone past Hellebuck either. It was another greasy goal that I didn't like and the kind that's a little bit frustrating because the Jets had just gotten the lead back thanks to Connor's really nice uh, top-line goal. But then again, the Jets just struggled to hold a lead. I don't think either team was particularly great this period, but certainly you don't want to give the Sens any sort of room because it looked like Hellebuck was struggling out there. And the Jets still were getting opened up a little bit on these stretch plays through the neutral zone. There were even some, like, passes that were done through the neutral zone on line changes that caught the Jets a little bit off guard, which, that's something that's plagued this team throughout the past couple of seasons. I don't know why line changes are so hard for the Jets, but for some reason it's just an area where they really struggle. I think one of those passes on a line change ended up finding Nick Paul, who'd been a real pest throughout the entire night. I think he already had an assist by that point, and he sniped a really nice goal far post, but I think the biggest issue was Hellebuck just wasn't really reading the angle right, didn't have it, and what would have been a, a decent chance for him to deflect the shot wide to the left just sort of went you know, straight in off the side post, and I was like, oh, alright, so it's going to be one of those games. Thankfully, he didn't concede anything more during that period, but of course, the Jets also really weren't doing a whole lot creating offensive pressure, so nothing else really happened. And to be honest, today has been long enough to the point where I didn't really feel upset or anything. I just was kind of like, yeah, I mean, this is a Jets game, you know. It's the sort of thing you've come to expect from Winnipeg, and to be honest, I wasn't really that upset. If they lost to the Sens, it is what it is. This season, I just kind of have this mindset where... I frankly don't care what happens as long as the Jets just kind of make it through, you know, fully healthy for the most part and setting up some development processes for the younger kids. I'd love for them to make the postseason, but I just don't really have any expectations. I do think the Jets will make it, and I I think it'll be a decently comfortable margin just because I think the rest of the Northern Division is really bad, but that's mostly on paper. I don't actually know how any of this is going to play out just because it's a super weird season and the Jets are kind of super weird themselves. Thankfully, the third period was a lot better for the Jets, and I was actually fairly impressed with how this team played. It seemed like, you know, in one of those situations where they just sort of came out, and I don't know if they said something during the locker room interval or what, but the Jets just kind of absolutely pancaked the Sens, and before you knew it, the scoreline was 5-3. I mean, you know, Pauly Walnuts had scored a nice power play goal, and that, that power play, by the way, was fantastic. You should watch a replay of it. You know, the full thing, it was, it was excellent. Great crisp puck movement, amazing seam passes across the slot area, a couple of really great shots from Kyle Connor on the right flank. That power play should have connected at least three to four times before Paulie actually put it in himself. Even though Stastny was the one who ended up finishing that one, I mean, it was just a fabulous power play, and it's something that I've missed from this team for a very long time. Speaking of Stastny, the other goals were actually his line, and they were (laughs) very nice, very industrious, very hardworking goals, one of which he had a direct assist on. I think the first one was like this goal that uh, Stastny sort of read a pass on the left side with Kopp hanging around the far post uh, relative to his position, of course, and he sort of just tucked the puck over to Kopp, who ended up tapping it off the post at first and then corralling it and tapping it in again to score, and then... Copped it another goal later, which I think was, I don't know if it was assisted by Stastny or not. He sort of just cleaned up a messy situation and again capitalized on more Ottawa Senator chaos inside their defensive zone. Of course, Marcus Hogberg and Nett had made a couple of stellar saves that night, but on these opportunities, not much you can do. The Jets' offensive pressure had been coming in waves and just sort of overwhelmed Ottawa to the point where they really ran out of steam and could not keep up. And then, of course, to close out the game, Mark Scheifele's line was out there and scored a sixth empty netter goal, which was nice and fun and all that stuff. It was a little bit hairy because for one moment we actually thought the scoreline was going to be 5-4, not long after the second cop goal. A long distance wrister that deflected off of Chris Tierney in front of Hellebuck had gone in, but it was actually found out to be an offside goal thanks to a, a bad zone entry with Derek on or something. So the Jets kind of lucked out there. All in all, this game was kind of one of those performances where, like, I'm not super impressed. I'm glad they won, and it was an important day, uh, especially with what happened with the line A trade, to to get a victory here and restore a little bit of morale. But as far as the actual on-ice performances, I would only say that the third period was good. The rest of it, ugh, not so great. As Garrett Hole on Twitter said, if you haven't followed him, he's actually a great follow for lots of Jets thoughts and just general hockey stats thoughts. He made a note that making the Ottawa Senators look good is probably not a promising sign for the rest of the season, and yeah, I I definitely agree. The Jets need to be better than this, and I think they can be, but we'll find out for sure once Pierre-Luc Dubois actually joins this team in just a few weeks. That wraps up my thoughts on this game though, if you have any additional thoughts or insights you want to let me know, be sure to hit me up at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. In just a moment, we'll take a look at some of the thoughts around the Patrick Line trade. I had a few more concerns that I feel like should be addressed because this team obviously made a franchise-altering move, and it's the kind that has a lot of long-term repercussions. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I just wanted to close out today's episode with a couple of thoughts after a nice win with some stuff that I think needs to temper the excitement a little bit. And I thought I'd talk a little bit about the uh, the Jets handling of the Patrick Laine trade, which for me is is a couple of different things. The trade itself for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third-round pick for Jack Roslovic and Laine is actually a fine trade. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think both sides get players who needed a fresh start, at least emotionally speaking, the environments that they were in, they didn't feel meshed correctly with what they were looking for. And if that's the case for line a too, 2 fine. You know, the Jets made the right deal. They got an offer that they probably would not get beat elsewhere. Same with the Blue Jackets getting line a, And I really feel like for Dubois, this is a really good chance for him to showcase why he's still a really good top six center. And I think the Jets actually got a pretty good player who fills a a major hole on this roster and will be a a huge contributor in the coming seasons, especially if he extends long term. So, as far as the trade is concerned, I think the Jets did the right thing, I think they made the right move, they got a good return, I'm not really upset about the trade itself. What kind of bugs me as a fan is that it got to this point where you're trading somebody who was drafted and developed in-house, and I feel like, in many ways, this has been a continuing problem over the past couple of seasons where a lot of guys in-house aren't happy with how things have panned out. With a guy like Roslovic who gets upset and says he doesn't want to play here anymore, you know, I'm not as troubled by that, I guess, in some ways, just because I didn't feel like Roslovic really fit in with this team, and in terms of his long-term development trajectory, he wasn't showing enough to earn a top-six spot over some of the other guys already there. I can live with finding him a new home if it helps him develop his career and become a, a player that he wants to be rather than sitting on, like, the bench or riding, like, a, a bottom six role here long term. Where I kind of start to struggle a little bit, though, is that the Jets have now traded Patrick Line A2, and Line A for me was somebody who I thought was going to be a, a franchise cornerstone for this team. When he was drafted on that lotto pick day, I was just... You know, I was absolutely out of my mind. I'd never experienced this before. Something so joyful and happy with this team. It felt like Christmas had come early. Sure, we had the 2014-15 playoffs and we'd had some good moments in previous seasons, but nothing like that where I truly felt this is the moment that is going to shape this franchise forever and is going to turn Winnipeg around, It's going to turn it into a cup winner. I hadn't experienced that before with a player like this. And so four seasons on, to see Line A walking away from all of that just really bothers me and hurts me in a way that I did not expect to really feel in terms of like a single player. This stuff does happen in other sports. You know, the NBA trades All-Stars all the time. It's a very common occurrence there, but their entire business model and structure is very different. You just don't see NHL players like this get traded because it's not something that is a common practice. It just does not happen. And so, obviously, I did not expect Liney to get traded when he was drafted. It hurts a lot because I thought it was going to be this team's response to Temu Sulani. I don't really know how to feel about it, but I am concerned that going forward, players are going to be perhaps thinking about what exactly is my development path here, and should I be staying long term? If the Jets can't find a way to better balance their development trajectories of their prospects with some of the needs of veterans and and on-ice issues that have gone on for a couple of seasons, it's going to be tough, man. You don't want to alienate young players who are supposed to form the backbone of your future core, and I think that that's something that I was not really expecting to happen here, but has happened. You know, we've lost Truba, we've lost Laine, we've lost Roslevic, And sure, Trubo was like totally different circumstances, but the other two players were kind of on the same wavelength. So I'm not really thrilled with that. I am kind of concerned long term that things aren't, you know, as rosy as they appear. And Bufflin left upset, Enstrom left upset. It's just not a great look for the organization, especially a team that has occasionally had trouble recruiting talent, especially as a free agent. Let's hope that the Jets find a way to kind of end this unpleasantness and get onto better terms with some of their younger prospects. I think they have plenty of potential to be a really high-end offensive team. There's still plenty of time for them to make good on the score and do something special and maybe even win a cup. We're going to find out very soon what the Pierre-Luc Dubois era in the Winnipeg Jets history books is going to look like, and I hope it's going to be a special chapter. With that, though, I'm going to end my tale of woe. I appreciate you all for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Collin gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thank you so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!